27 is where we're at now. In, in trying to divide Proverbs up, as I've said before, is in some cases actually impossible because God didn't intend for it to be divided up. You just go from one to another and it's, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, kind of like the phone book. It changes subjects every line, you know. You just go from one to the other. But in a lot of instances, there is a clear outline because there will be so many verses that will pertain to a subject and then it will go over to another subject. And and so in looking through this chapter, and that's what I always do if I know I'm going to be teaching out of Proverbs, I always look at the chapter as a whole and try to notice the different subjects that are there and as I do that it for me it is easy to divide this whole chapter up into three different sections and the first the first section that we're going to start on tonight has to do with our attitudes the next sec- section has to do with our associates and then the next section has to do with uh uh, what, what did our avocation, our work, our uh, our job, our duties and responsibilities, and those things that pertain to you know our everyday life. And so, in some way, uh, in each section, we see the verses relating to that. So, the first four verses has to do with our attitudes. But tonight, I, I don't think we'll get beyond verse number one. And I'll try to get the other three of the four uh, attitudes that are mentioned uh, next week. But verse number one is where we're going to camp out tonight. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And so, uh, as I said, I want to I stay on this verse, I think, tonight because... Uh, I think for a very good reason, and and it's because it can be applied to so many different things. What he says here in some way relates to everything. In fact, you take those first two words where he says, boast not, and uh, my, that opens the door for uh, for a, a lot of thought. We could spend a lot of time and go off in a lot of different directions just thinking about those two words, boast not. And that's one of those things we all know that we shouldn't do, but we go ahead and do it anyway. You know, every time we get an opportunity, you know, you can be talking about you went fishing or something, and yeah, I went fishing, you have any luck? Oh yeah, I caught one, you know, weighed five pounds, and if somebody's eavesdropping, if they're hearing the conversation, they'll say, yeah, you know, I went to that lake, I caught a six-pounder, or two fives, or whatever, you know. And so it it doesn't take long before we find ourselves guilty of it. And the amazing thing about it, if you just think of those first two words, boast not, period. Just stop, you know, right there. And the truth of the matter is none of us have anything to boast about. Absolutely nothing. I I don't have anything to be proud of, and, and neither do you. I mean, at our... At our very best, we are absolutely nothing but sinners, and uh, it's only by the grace of God that any of us are accepted by the Lord. And so, uh, so it's another example of the foolish things that we do to think that we would uh, boast about something. But here is a warning in this section and this first attitude that we're going to talk about tonight has to do with the matter of presumption. 
and, and 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 there again, so many times we presume we, we we make our plans, you know, and well, tomorrow I'm going to do this or that, or next week, you know, we planned our vacation and so forth, and so many times we presume that we'll have tomorrow. Remember in James chapter number four, in case you don't, I'm going to turn over there, and I, I just want to take time to read a few verses here in James because it it applies directly to what I'm talking about. James chapter number four, I've got a Bible that Lisa gave me, and uh, well, finding something, and the pages are slick, but no complaints. Chapter 4, verse number 13, no, yeah, verse 13, go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For ye ought to say, and notice ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But as you know, so many times we just presume that God is going to give us another day. Now, this does not mean that we shouldn't plan. You know, and, and maybe you think that's presumptuous to make plans, but it's not because of the fact that whenever we think about the verses that relate to this and and the Lord said in Proverbs chapter number 6, He says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. In other words, He's teaching us to go to the little ant, the little insignificant ant that nobody pays any attention to, unless it's one of the fire ants in Texas, of course, uh, and they'll get your attention. And But the, the, the ant prepares in the summer for the winter. And so there's several different verses that has to do with us making plans. There's not anything wrong with making plans, but uh, we've got to be careful that we don't just presume on the grace of God that He's going to give us tomorrow. And, uh, you know, maybe we learn a lesson from the farmer. You go to the farmer, for example, and the farmer, regardless of how bad he wants a crop, whatever the particular crop might be. Uh, and uh, regardless of how bad he wants it, he has to wait on the particular season of the year that will enable him to product, uh, produce that crop, right? I mean, you know, he can be sitting there in December and say, you know, I'm determined before this month is over, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow a field of corn. Well, you know, he can, he can plan all he wants, but it ain't gonna happen. There's just no way, because that's not the time of the year that's conducive to growth. But, I'm talking about now making plans, but being careful that you don't presume. What if the farmer just sit back and said, well, you know, I'm not going to presume that God will give me a, an opportunity. And so uh, if he wants me to have corn, he'll give me corn. I'm not even going to make any plans. I, he doesn't plow. He doesn't plant the seed. He doesn't do anything. And so, you know, then he goes out there in the fall of the year looking for corn. Guess what? There's no corn. He should have planned. So we ought to plan, but as we do, we, we need, 
we need to be conscious of the fact that we can't presume on God. Now, this is so very important because of this reason. You can't build your plans on your desires. Like I was talking about the farmer wanting corn in December. You can't make your plans according to your desires. You have to make your plans according to God's given rules or God's given promises that he has made. And and that's why, you know, James said we ought to say, if the Lord will. In other words, there ought to be some basis for our action or our attitude. And so we make our plans to fit in with the seasons of the year that God has given us. That's reasonable planning. Or we make our plans in regards to a promise that God has made. For example, whenever the Bible talks about the Lord providing for His people in Matthew chapter number 6, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. And there are numerous passages that give us a promise that God will supply our needs. Philippians 4.19 uh, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. And I've heard people quote that and say it to me. Well, you know, preacher, I'm not worried about anything because, you know, the Bible says God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. So I'm not worried about anything. But what they don't understand is that promise is given to a people that are in compliance with God's commands. And whenever you study that, you'll notice that this particular church at Philippi that he was writing to, this is a church that had given monetarily in support of Paul's ministry. So here is a church that is giving and doing and serving God the best they can. And when you do that, you can always bank upon God's promises. And it is presumption for us to just suppose that God's going to uh, supply our needs regardless of what we do or regardless of what our attitude is. And that's why, you know, a lot of times we shortchange ourselves because we don't comply to God's promise or God's rules and regulations. Now, before we look at the rest of the verse, I want to emphasize again that it is foolish for us to boast at all. And uh, being sinners saved by grace, not having any reason, there's no reason for me to boast. So why do we do it? What? Pride. That's exactly right. That is the root of the sin. It's pride that causes us to do it. But uh, when you get right down to it, it's that pride that wants what? It wants to be noticed. It wants attention from other people. So we think, we think in boasting about something, you know, well, you know, I can, uh, I, I can lift 200 pounds over my head or whatever. And, and so we boast about it and we think somebody's going to think more of us. In reality, the opposite is true. It, 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 people think less of us whenever we're boasting, you see. And so when he says boast not, there's a lot of good advice there in those first two words. But now, let's think about this matter of presumption and then a couple of other thoughts that tie in with it. First of all, it is foolish because, uh, you know, of all of the things you could boast about, this has got to be the most foolish thing because uh, 
as somebody said, that days are not like the links in a chain. The one does not ensure the other. And so just because you have today does not mean you're going to have tomorrow. And uh, that's why another preacher said we should never look upon two days at the same time. Think about that. Don't try to focus on today and yesterday. Don't try to focus on today and tomorrow. Keep your focus on on what you're doing right now. Of course, uh, the old farmer's almanac saying, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Well, it's absolutely foolish for us to be presumptuous. But it's not just foolish, it's also harmful. It it can be harmful in a number of different ways because, number one, dreaming about what you're going to do can hinder you and keep you from doing what you should be doing. And I've seen that happen over and over again. We had a young man surrender to preach several years ago. It was back before I came here, in fact. And I never will forget that he was so excited about that. I mean, he was, in fact, that's all he wanted to talk about. But the problem is, that's all he ever did was talk about going to be a preacher, going to be a preacher. And in regards to who he talked to, you know, on the job, but never, I'm going to be a preacher. God's called me to preach. I'm going to be a preacher. But he never took advantage of any opportunities. God would open the door and he wouldn't walk through it. Just absolutely unconcerned. And so uh, a lot of times we're dreaming about what we're going to do someday and uh, presuming that we'll do it and we neglect to do what we ought to be doing today. But it can be harmful in the sense that it maybe causes people to go into debt. Some of us were talking the other day and I was talking about as a boy growing up, and uh, how, you know, how times have changed. My dad's philosophy was if you don't have the money to buy it, you don't get it. I mean, you can either pay for it or you don't get it. You, well, you didn't buy anything on credit. And I was talking about the fact I remember the time that dad found out that mom had opened up a little line of credit down at the neighborhood store. Every, you know, every place got a little country store, you know. And, of course, back then they just had a little tablet and they'd write down, you know, a pound of hamburger meat or whatever. And, I mean, my land, she didn't have, I'll guarantee you didn't have $5 on the tab. But when dad found out, he was not a happy camper because it violated his philosophy. And remember, he's come through the Depression and all of those hard times, and so uh, they learned a lesson. If you don't have the money, you just don't buy it. And, uh, and, and I think we would all agree that debt has got a lot of people in trouble. You, you take, now, I'm not saying you should never go into debt. That's not the argument at the point uh, at the time being. But but the fact remains that it has been abused and misused to the extent that a lot of people, uh, the number one reason for arguments in marriage has to do with money. I mean, you take all of the friction between a husband and wife, and usually somewhere it'll have something to do with money, can't pay the bills and so forth. And there's so many young couples that'll go out here and right off the bat, right at the get-go, they want everything mom and dad's been working for 30 years for, and they want that to start with. 
And here's old Mattress Max saying, come on over here, boy. We'll line you up. We'll deliver it tonight. And all you got to do is open up a line of credit. We'll get it there in your house. And what do they do? Well, that, that looks great. And so they go into debt and buy, buy them some furniture or a new car or whatever it is. You, you see, when we do that, we're presuming that we're going to have the money to pay the debt, right? I'm, you, that, that, that's a, that's a no-brainer. We're presuming that we can pay it back. What you don't know is you might lose your job. What you don't know is you might lose your health. You see, there's a lot of different things that can happen that will keep you from paying that debt. So when we presume we're setting ourselves up uh, for a fall, we're, we're, we're going to end up eventually whether it's indebtedness or whatever it is, neglect of our present responsibilities or whatever, we're setting ourselves up for failure. It might take another form. It might take the form of disappointment and discouragement or depression. You know, in, you can't listen. If you have high expectations, let me tell you, it's just a matter of time until you're going to experience disappointment because all of your expectations are not going to be fail i'll guarantee you that and nothing wrong with having expectations or having desires naturally i I hope every seat in this building is filled sunday morning wouldn't that be great i mean walk in here and we have to bring in extra chairs that would be awesome and you know we can come to church with those expectations let me tell you the first two or three years as a pastor that was a battle for me constantly. You remember back how it used to be in all of the little country churches? They had, you know, the scoreboard up on the wall, the Sunday school attendance and the size of the offering and all of that is all posted up there. Man, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd look at that, the Sunday school attendance and what have you, and, and, and it just got me in a sire mood even before I'd got ready to preach that morning. Because I had all of these expectations, you know, hoping this and hoping that. And, and, and so we got to understand if, if we make a bad habit out of presuming upon things, it can lead us into the pit of depression. Let me tell you, if you'll notice that a lot of those people who allow themselves to get the highest emotionally, Whenever they, listen, whenever they are disappointed, they're the ones that crash and burn and end up in the lowest pit of depression. It just kind of works that way. And fine, have all the expectations that you want, but please understand, you can't presume that all of those are going to be met. Another thing by way of this being harmful, and that is going to be harmful to other people us presuming all of the time and it it can just produce sorrow on them because of the effect that it has on us uh, it also affects them you get in a state of depression because your expectations aren't met or you go in debt to the point that you can't meet other obligations you know that are related to maybe christian ministry and so forth and it's just a matter of time until your problem becomes a problem to somebody else. And I think we've always got to take that into consideration. Regardless of what we do, it's not just how it affects us, it's how it affects everybody else that comes in contact with us. 
Now, in talking about presumption, there's something else that goes hand in hand with this that ties in with this verse, and that's procrastination. Notice he says, boast not thyself tomorrow. Why? Well, because you don't know what a day might bring forth. And, and so there's a lot of times, because we don't know what tomorrow holds, there are a lot of times, you know, that whenever we procrastinate, you know, we, we, we make plans, but we never have a performance, you know. And so uh, as a result of that, uh, after a while, uh, we find ourselves in a bad way, not just disappointed, but sometimes as a result of that, we lose in a big way. I, I think about uh, uh, Pharaoh over in Exodus chapter number 8, and I, I preached a sermon years ago. In fact, a, a friend of mine up in uh, the upper part of Texas uh, wrote a song about it, uh, One More Night with the Frogs. Remember Pharaoh? He, God sent the plague of frogs, and so Pharaoh went to Moses and said, hey, you, you got to talk to your God for me, you know. Uh, I, I'll do whatever's necessary in order to get rid of these stinking frogs. you got to get rid of them. And so Moses and Aaron said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. When, when do you want us to do it? He said, tomorrow. In, in other words, here you are in the middle of a plague and all these frogs everywhere. Uh, you can't even open the cabinet door without frogs jumping out. And he says, Tomorrow be soon enough. Why wouldn't you deal with it right now? Well, there's so many times we we procrastinate, we put off. And and listen, the 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 bad thing about this is that a lot of times it's in regards to things that you know it's not like just putting off going to the dentist or putting off getting the haircut. The older I get, the better I get at that. And Bev has to harp at me, you know, uh, you need a haircut. And I just keep putting it off. I don't want to go to a barbershop and sit in there and waste my time and, and, and so forth. But those are minor issues. But do you realize there are people that are procrastinating when it comes to the matter of salvation? And there are people that are procrastinating when it comes to the matter of service, Christian service. Someday I'm going to do this, but they never do. And some folks, well, you know, I know the preacher is right. I believe the Bible. There's no doubt about it. I realize I'm a sinner. I know that I ought to become a Christian. And someday I'm going to do that. But someday never comes. Look, and that's why I keep saying, if you're unsaved, you're only one heartbeat, just one breath out of hell. I mean, that's how close it is. And folks, you don't have any promise that your heart's going to beat another time. No promise whatsoever. And so God forbid that we procrastinate, especially in regards to these important issues in our life. We can't afford to put it off any longer. So this verse has to do with presumption and procrastination. But in a strange sort of a way, the more I thought about this verse, I thought about the fact that it can also relate to the matter of pleasure. Notice again, he says, Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now, we can't boast about tomorrow, right? That's what he said. Don't boast about tomorrow. But, you know, I think we have every right to be hopeful and to look forward to the, to the future with blessed assurance. Remember, 
And we've had this as our memory verse several different times over the years there in the Psalms where it says our times are in his hands, you know, and, and, and that's, that's true. Our times are in the Lord's hands. And because of that, we can rest assured that God is the one that is in control of our future. Now, remember, the Lord himself tells us, take no thought, you know, for tomorrow. Says so we're not to worry about that. We're not to fret about tomorrow. That's not to be a matter of concern to us because, you know, today will take care of itself. So you don't have to worry about tomorrow. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't think about tomorrow. And... Uh, because we don't know what tomorrow holds as Christian people, as a child of God in the will of God, you can entertain great expectations because of the promises of God. When I quoted Philippians 4.19 a while ago, uh, boy, that, I mean, you can put your head on that pillow at night and go to sleep, right? But if you're meeting the conditions... My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. So this thought of not being able to, to know what the future holds can be a matter of, of comfort and peace to our heart. Because a lot of times we what? We imagine the worst. You know, th- that's what worry is all about. Well, I'm just worried that... You know, I'm worried tomorrow that I won't be able to get out of bed. Or I'm worried tomorrow, you know, that maybe I'll go blind overnight. Or I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. And so we're imagining the worst. But we have every right to also imagine at least the possibility of the best taking place tomorrow. And let me tell you, that, that, that can help the person that is weary, not weary of their Christian service, but weary in their service for the Lord. Because let's face it, the busier you get doing the work of the Lord, the more uh, it's going to affect you physically. Uh, there's not no shame in that. We shouldn't ever get tired of God's work, but we get tired in the work of the Lord. And, and so... Uh, as a Christian, we need to understand that we that our payday comes someday. And so many times whenever, you know, if we're faithfully serving the Lord, let's say we're witnessing uh, to our loved ones. And, and, and consequently, we want to see them saved, but we want to see them saved right now, naturally. And that's well and good. That, that would be wonderful if it happened. But it doesn't always happen that way, does it? Most of the time it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, I'll never forget when I first started going on visitation, which was just a week or two after I got saved, because whatever they announced, uh, other than the ladies' meetings, I went to it. I I wanted to be in on everything that was going on in the church. I didn't know what visitation was, and uh, I just followed along with somebody else, and that that was all I did, walk along, get out of the car, you know, walk up to the door, let them do the talking and what have you. But then little by little, you know, I'd get a chance to talk and invite people to church but I got to tell you after the first two or three months of that I was so discouraged I'll never forget talking to my pastor about it you know this isn't doing any good at all it's just a waste of time and that's what it seemed like. Nobody was coming. Oh, they'd promised they would. Oh yeah, I think and we've been in, we've been aiming to get back into church. We'll be there Sunday. Um, no, they didn't show up. 
and after a while you get discouraged. But what we've got to remember is that payday comes someday. God's going to bless our effort, and it might not be in the way that we think. And what I begin to notice is that even though the person that I invited didn't come, somebody else did. You see, God, God, God has a way of doing it so that we can't get any glory out of it. We can't take any credit for it, you know. Because we go out there and invite 10 people to church and they all show up. What do we want to do? We want to break our arm patting ourselves on the back. Look what we did. Boy, we invited them to church. We had 10 visitors there Sunday, you know. And, uh, and, and so it encourages us to know we don't know what's going to be on tomorrow. But we do know that God is going to reward our effort. We know that for one thing because of the law of sowing and reaping. We reap whatever we sow. As a young Christian, I only thought about that in the sense of bad things. Well, you reap what you sow. You do bad, you're going, you're going to get hurt. You're going to have to reap whatever you sow. But that's just as true in a good sense, that if we sow seeds of kindness, ultimately that, that's going to come back to us. There's going to be a harvest of blessings as a result of what we do. So this gives you hope. If your prayers haven't been answered, some of you, some of you have been praying for your family and your loved ones that they'll be saved and you've shared that with me. And uh, there's some that maybe have been praying for years for their loved ones and they still haven't been saved. But you don't know what tomorrow holds. Take pleasure in the fact that there's still an opportunity, there's still the chance that they'll be saved before, before they, uh, before they leave this world, and uh, we can take pleasure in that. Uh, let me wrap it up by saying this. Also, I think it can give us pleasure when we get to the point in our life we don't know what's on tomorrow, but there's sometimes in life that things happen that causes us to feel like we'll never laugh again. Have you ever been there? I'll just, this is, you know, just knocked the props out from under me. It's hurt me so bad. It's made me so miserable. It's taken away all of my hopes and all of my dreams. I don't think I can ever be happy again. Oh, yeah, you can. You don't know what's going to be on tomorrow. You don't know what a new day is going to bring. And so that, that's why for the Christian, life ought to be something that's exciting every single day because you don't know what tomorrow holds. So, you know, stop, stop worrying about everything being bad because God is a way of taking even the bad and making something wonderful out of it. And uh, he specializes in that, by the way. And so trust him. Well, Lord willing, Lord willing, uh, we'll pick up and talk about the second one of the attitudes that are mentioned in these verses. You thought you knew what I was going to say, didn't you? Huh? Anybody have a final word?